Well, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, 9 a.m. in Sacramento, and I believe it's noon somewhere in North Carolina. And this is news that you can use for Wednesday, October 11th from Car Edge with your host today, me, Ray, you know me, uh, Brandon filling in for Zach and, well, Justice helping to fill in for Zach because Brandon's a little bit under the weather. How are you gentlemen doing today? Very good. Very good. I appreciate y'all letting me come on here. It's always fun to come and uh, join in on the show. So this is uh, this is the highlight of my day today. <laughs> well, well I, I, I'll i say it for everyone out there. I am so sorry to hear that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I thought that. I yeah, thought, well, oh, that's sad. But okay. I, I, I'm, I'm the guy that always says things that the people just think. Okay, that they wish they had enough nerve to say. I usually just say them. So I don't know if you're aware of this, Brandon, because I sure wasn't until I looked at the headline for for today's thumbnail. <laughs> but GM has a huge problem, Brandon, and and well, nobody's talking about it probably because they don't really have a problem. But that's besides. <laughs> what do you think that problem could be? Um, let's, uh, I don't, I didn't look at the thumbnail before I jumped in here anyway. I actually, I didn't know I was coming in here till like 15 minutes ago. So, um, GM's problems, uh, UAW strikes, um, trucks are too high. Um, days of inventory up. Oh my God. You are so far off my friend. We're going to help you with this. According to my son. Okay. And then this apparently is the world according to Zach. Uh, GM's problem is that their fleet sales are way up. Did did yep. you know that, Brandon? That sounds like a horrible problem. When sales are up. <laughs> <laughs> we close up shop and we sell more. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes, doesn't everybody? Um, they apparently, as we've been stating, I don't know for the bulk of the year. Uh, say the first nine months of the year, we we've been stating that that basically retail sales to customers on the new car side of things are somewhat stagnant, yeah. and that all this growth that the headlines are always talking about are due to an increase in fleet sales. And according to the article that was just up. Uh, Cox has, has figured it out. Fleet sales is carrying the day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I know that we always deal with doom and gloom, but this 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 is proof positive that the buying public is kind of stuck in the, what's that quicksand, and yeah. and that whatever growth we're seeing is strictly due to governmental fleets, rental fleets. Um, Brandon is somebody who's in the business and I know you're on the used car side of things. Um, how do you see something like this impacting your future business down the road? Because, you know, these, it, it'll be a while before these fleet sales ever make it to the used car facilities. Yeah. If so I, obviously, um, well, I, I can, I can defend Zach on his thumbnail a little bit, uh, looking at that, just saying it's bad for, um, the company in general, because uh, retail sales being down is 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 horrible, right? And yeah. uh, fleet sales can only hold for so long because there's there's going to be so much pull forward in demand right now 
for fleet sales because there just weren't any vehicles for these companies over the last couple of years. So now they're all ordering, they're getting loaded up. And then I don't know how long most companies, the average company takes to reorder uh, uh, their their big fleet orders. But if it's if it's three or four years would be my assumption is that, okay, they're ordering all these trucks right now and they're going to get filled up. And then we're going to have this this big uh, uh, decrease in fleet sales after after all this pull forward in demand. And then that's not going to be able to bolster a lot of these OEMs um, uh, in, in the future. So there we go. Let's let's defend Zach a little bit for the thumbnail in, in that aspect. Um, as far as what it's going to do for the used car market and for for us uh, in general, we don't see a lot of these fleet vehicles that that we buy anyway. Um, a, a lot of a lot of fleet sales when they're done with them that they will send them to auction, but it's not the kind of stuff that I buy. So it will help the used car market in general. Three four years from now, whenever they're actually doing these uh, these fleet sales of, of the vehicles that they need to get rid of, so they can buy some more. But it's it's going to take years for us to see the impact of that um, from from the increased fleet sales that we're seeing right now. Um, just just from a a tactical standpoint, and and yes, I I agree with you. The fact that that GM's sales growth has been based on fleet sales is is really an issue because the way you really want to grow your business is through your retail channel, not necessarily your fleet channel. Now, having said that, do you foresee as someone who who whose specialty is pre-owned cars, that this could exacerbate the situation that we already find ourselves in, in that there just aren't enough quality one, two, three-year-old used cars out there to be had by dealers. Um, Because my guess is these fleet vehicles aren't going to make it to any type of auction for years and years and years especially if they're governmental fleets and and commercial fleets th- those don't they don't get turned all that often you know they they get turned when they got a couple hundred thousand miles on them um so do you think this exacerbates the the situation where there just aren't enough retail customers out there trading in good quality used cars so that someone like you can get your hands on a used car yeah, I mean that that's the big problem with the with the used car market right now, right? Cuz these new car dealers, they're not selling as many vehicles as they need to be selling to actually push trade-ins into the used car market. We've been saying this for for a year now that the the reason why there's such a shortage on the used car side is because there was a shortage on the new car side, so they weren't selling anything. That created um, this big price bubble on the new car side. And now, even though they have inventory, people can't afford it. So they're still going to continue to to not be able to sell a lot of these big trucks, which means they're not getting trade-ins, which means they're not sending the trade-ins to me. I can't buy the trade-ins. So the stuff that we have at auction right now is still, it's going to be, it's going to be high for the foreseeable future. It's coming down because the demand is so bad, but we're not going to get any kind of whoosh, any kind of crash, anything like this, um, because there's just, there's not enough inventory in the system. In other words, you can't buy what isn't traded. Correct. And, and you can't, and somebody can't trade what they haven't been able to buy. That's right. And people are staying in their cars longer right now. I mean, we can see that in the data. People are, are fixing their cars more because, I mean, if, if you have a paid off car, why would you want to trade it in if it's running 
and go sign up for one of these $900,000 car payments right now. Nobody can do that with everything else with inflation running as hot as it is right now. Nobody's getting rid of their car, so they're not trading in. So it's not making its way to me. Justice, what do you, when, when you look at this as someone who's, who's a car coach for the team, how do you think this impacts things for, for customers moving forward? Well, I, I, my thing about this is, as, as Brandon said, you know, we were short inventory for a long time. We have some manufacturers have some inventory now, but if they're selling them all to government commercial, and I do see rental is, is the highest category here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that actually helps as, you know, the resale market to get something out there. But when you're putting all these commercials, like you said, they, you know, government and commercial fleets hang on to them forever. So we're going to continue this thing down the road for years to come of you no know, used cars hitting the market. And when they do hit, uh, as Brandon said, you know, their mileage is going to be higher than what you're used to. The conditions are going to be probably worse. Yeah, some people are keeping them and repairing them. But I tell you, most are just keeping them and not necessarily repairing them. Uh, I've seen a lot of the things that are starting starting to come across my desk now. And there, there's a lot more problems that I see on used cars already starting right now than I have, I'm used to seeing in the past. There's a lot more accidents, you know, accidents on certified vehicles, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more, you know, issues with the vehicles that we're getting, a lot more PPIs that are coming back with issues on higher priced used inventory that's still only a couple thousand away from new. Um, I think all this just keeps this sort of trend going for quite some time here. And 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 I would, even though uh, rental car companies are the biggest portion of the fleet increase, I think one thing that rental car companies have learned over the past couple of years is that they can keep their cars longer than they ever have and put more miles on them than they ever have before taking them out of their out of their rental fleet and and trying to get rid of them either through their own uh, lots or through the auctions. I mean, you know, in the old days, they they would be getting rid of the cars when they had forty five, fifty thousand miles on. Today, it's it's not uncommon for these rental car fleets when they're turning them to have 75, 80,000 miles on them. I mean, that, that could help you Brandon, somewhere down the line. Do we, do we know how long like the average rental company will keep, keep a vehicle? Is that, is that uh, information that's out there? I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, it, it, typically they used to keep them like two to three years. Okay. And, and, they would they would put somewhere between forty five and fifty thousand miles on them, and what they learned when they had to go out and and they were forcing used car values up dramatically because they were the ones buying the one and two year old low mileage used cars out there for way too much money, um, but they bought them so they could put them into their rental car fleets. Uh, guess what? I mean, you you hear about people who, who get into a rental car, they're paying tons of money to rent that car and and the car has 70,000 miles on it 75,000 miles on it. I mean this is one of the one of the unintended consequences of all this is that the rental car companies learned that they can hold on to these vehicles longer 
I, and there's got to be a tax benefit for doing it mm -hmm. like that, for for holding on to them longer, depreciating them over yeah, they, a longer period of time. Yeah, they can write off more depreciation the long, the more miles the car has. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you, I have seen rental cars every single day last week and this week that have come across in consults and coaching. And the lowest miles I've seen so far is 32,000 a year. That's the so, so lowest I, mileage I've seen on rental. So I've got a question about that. So when you're looking at um, these rental cars, are, are rental cars something that you would prefer that that your your customers that you're helping out that they buy? Or is it something that they would avoid? Because I would assume a rental car would be just beat the crap. I mean, because if I'm if I'm getting a rental car, I'm testing that thing out. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm seeing the limits of this of this vehicle. So for, for me, when I'm advising, um, you know, the deal has to be really good for you to consider a rental. First off, um, the pre-purchase inspection is so important. There's a, there's a lot of these rental car companies that I don't think are maintaining these vehicles very much at all. Uh, obviously, they don't report even when they do. Uh, we found rental cars with accidents that were never reported because they self-insure. So I, I often say stay away from rentals. If you are going to go for it, you know, a Toyota Camry over a Dodge Charger uh, for exactly what you just said, Brandon. Like, they, especially these muscle cars that get rented. No, those people push those things to their limits and test those out. Are they doing that on a Corolla? Probably not as much. But, you know, but you really got the pre-purchase inspection, as it's always important, so much more so on a rental car. If you're even considering that, but honestly, they're mostly overpriced anyway. Okay. They tend to be. Uh, Brandon, I have a question for you because you 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 tend to go to the uh, auctions, I believe, weekly. Um, and and the latest black book data that we had seen is that wholesale prices had had the amount of depreciation or drop in wholesale values had ticked up slightly um, last week from the previous week. And, and when I say ticked up slightly, I don't know, it might've lost three tenths of a point from one week to the, to the next, which doesn't sound dramatic. It, uh, it only becomes dramatic if that continues for any length of time. Have you, have you noticed any dramatic drops in prices at the auctions that you're going to? Nothing dramatic, but we have seen that prices have have still been going on this downtrend, which greatly surprises me, actually, because I felt like wholesale prices should be spiking right now. Mm -hmm. Also, the GMs that I've talked to and the um, the guys that, that I know that are dealers that buy this this upper end level stuff. They're saying that that uh, they're trying to load up because they're worried about the UAW strike that on the GM side, the, the ones that I've talked to and the um, the guys who buy the upper level um, used vehicles. They're telling me that they're missing cars left and right, that they weren't missing a month ago because the prices are starting to spike um, from what they're seeing. It's, it's not going to hit my level of car and the mid-tier of car in the beginning. It's going to have to have this trickle-down trickle effect. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm surprised because there's so many of these newer cars that hit the auction that it's not showing itself in the wholesale data yet um, that, it's, that, that the prices aren't spiking. That, um, that might be a testament to how weak the market is right now. Um, but uh, I expect to see wholesale prices um pop as long as the strikes continue um 
but it's we're, we're not seeing it and that's that's surprising to me it might be that uh, that the the market's just so bad that um the the scare from all these guys who buy this the this upper end level stuff is not going to be enough to actually push the market up do you do you think and and th- 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 this is a tough question for me to even try and phrase but do you think that that the strike is having any impact whatsoever on new vehicle inventories at this point um I, I, both of you are shaking your head no, no. yeah Just, I, I have i haven't seen anything i haven't seen anything that even indicates that anyone's even really worried about it i just don't i think inventory levels on the on the big three that are involved in the strike were, were already so high and um and i and i'm not seeing the inventory levels drop well, what are we in? What fourth week of the strike? Something like that, or fifth? Something like that. Fourth week, and, yeah. And you know, I don't. I'm not seeing inventory levels drop anything significant here. So, and I don't know if that's part of the, the strikes or sort of targeting plants. And it's not like everybody's walked out, so everything is shut. Um, so there's still stuff coming, but I just have not seen any impact from them, and or any sign that the dealers think that there's going to be an impact. So so what I think is because they knew these strikes were coming, um, and a lot of these GMs that I've talked to, they prepared for the strikes to come before they actually came because they thought it was going to happen too and it was going to happen for a while, um, is that they they pushed that there was this pull forward in demand for for production to these dealers, and they needed a production cut before the strikes even happened. And they, they didn't do it because they knew the strikes were coming. So now they loaded all the dealers. They channel stuff to everything, even parts. Um, I've got a buddy that works at a, at a GM dealer, and he runs parts. And for weeks before the strike, they had they were over-ordering. They had mounds and mounds of parts. They had pallets full that he had to move, transport, whatever. And I talked to him last week, and he said, I looked at the pallet, and there were seven parts on that pallet. And um, the thing about it is because they overordered and now they can't really get the stuff that that they need. And he said that they're probably going to have to start laying off some people um, in his department just because they're not able to get the stuff in that they need. But um, that's on the part side. But like you're saying, on, on the vehicle side, they did the same thing, except on the part side, they're selling them. They can move them. They got to fix cars. Mm-hmm. But on the on the truck side. They're not selling them. So they overloaded these dealers with these trucks and now they can't sell them. And now they need to even cut production more than what the strikes are doing because they can't move these trucks out. It, it would it would be interesting to know. And and I have I don't have anybody on the inside that would be able to provide me with this information, but it would be interesting to know what retail sales take out fleet sales what retail sales to retail customers have have been looking like for the first 10 days of the month of october because and the reason i i i say that is why it would be interesting to know is i i'm just guessing that because of high interest rates and high payments that the retail demand isn't nearly as strong as what maybe it had been eight weeks ago or 12 weeks ago. And that perhaps regardless of the strike, um, 
more people have taken themselves out of the market. And and so if there was no strike, I think you're right, Brandon. These manufacturers would be cutting down on production rather than the union helping them cut down on production. Right. And the thing about it is, I mean, there's no there's no consumer out there that's like, OK, I got to rush and go get this F-150 now because the prices are about to spike on the F-150. The consumers are not thinking about that. I mean, this is kind of behind the scenes with just the the YouTube thing or whatever. But I've looked up to see how big this uh, this strike is actually gaining with with just the the, the public's uh, the, the media eye or whatever. Uh-huh. And you can go on YouTube and type in UAW strike and filter to the amount of views and the videos that have been released about these strikes. Nobody's watching them. So it's not even I mean, it's a topic we have to cover, obviously, but yeah. it's not a popular one. Nobody cares. Unless you're unless you're in the the niche that we're in, right? If you unless you're following the the car market, the the general public, this is just like oh, another strike, whatever, and they're not rushing out to buy trucks because they think prices are about to spike. And 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 yet the truth of the matter is that at Ford, um, the the starting price for trucks for 2024s has gone up significantly. So in essence, they really are about the spike. Um, but but that's just your normal year over year um, price increase. Well, I w- I won't say the twenty seven hundred dollar price increase f- on on the base F one fifty is a normal year over year price increase. That 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 reminds me of the young Frankenstein and yeah, what did it say on that jar? Abby Abby normal. Um, the these are not normal year over year price increases we're seeing. But I I think. I think the public's just weary of of thousand dollar a month car payments, um, higher interest rates, higher inflation, cost of everything going up. That a, a lot of people just have taken themselves out of the market, and and sales are, you know, you take out fleet sales, sales are going to be down. I mean, significantly. Uh, you know, automotive news can can write the headline however they want, uh, <laughs> and they usually do because it's an industry publication. But the the and I don't know what an average American looks like, but but if I were to guess, um, the the three of us kind of look like average Americans. I was just going to say this is what they look like, right? <laughs> this is right in, here. In, in the sense that we look at this stuff and we go. Well, we can't afford it. Nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Way too, when we talk about the strike and the impact of it, I think back to, you know, your show with, uh, with Zach yesterday uh, when we pulled up, you know, Toyota was the, you know, half 50% of the top 10 vehicles sold. Uh, how many of the big three were in the top 10? Uh, were there any? Uh, rep- was there any representation there? Um, I, I I think the F one fifty. I think that's it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not just you know that people aren't paying attention to the strike because of the strike. It's they're just those aren't the vehicles that they're looking at. They're still looking at Toyota. They're still looking at Honda. They're still looking at you know their Subaru, Mazda. They're looking at the foreign brands who just are not involved in this strike in the first place. 
So like they don't like whatever, they don't care about the strike. They're not buying those vehicles that are being affected by any of this. Well, that, that's just showing that the consumer is gravitating to the the cars that are, I'm not going to say affordable, but cheaper than, yeah. than, than what, what the big three are offering. The big three are offering big SUVs and big trucks. And you're not, you're probably not getting out um, of any of these dealerships with a vehicle under $50,000 in, in any case with, with the big three, right. Or not one that you would, would want to drive. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, I think that's just a testament to that. They're going to Toyota, they're going to Honda because I mean, you can, you can still buy a 25 to $35,000 car there. Yeah, well, you might yeah. have to pay, you might have to pay forty thousand dollars for it, but right. <laughs> and yeah. it, it to me it says something that when you're selling, you know, your sedans and you know your little coupes and Tesla is cheaper than you, you've definitely outpriced yourself. Like you need to Tesla's considered a premium brand, and now you're looking at forty thousand dollars for a new model three before any incentives and rebates. And, you know, you're looking at a Camry for, you know, 46,000, you know, top line, of course, but like, come on, like you, people have to figure out the pricing point. I know, Ray, this is something you talk about almost every single show. It's, it's the price point. It's the, where's the base models? Where are the, all the affordable cars? And I, and I know that's why the slowdown is happening. As Brandon said, you know, I think there's a huge slowdown in retail just from what I see on my side, mm-hmm. I I gauge it by how many people, new people are coming to us every week and signing up and saying, I need help buying cars. When that number starts dropping, you know, we're not, we're not negative. Obviously we still get new people, but the amount of new people is less now than it was two months ago, dramatically less than it was two months ago. Cause I think people just aren't, they're not going out to the market and they're, and they're not looking. Well, you know, we there was that survey, and it was eighty three percent of the people surveyed said, "I can't afford a car." Okay, well, that's eighty three percent of your of your potential market that's out of the market. So you're catering to seventeen percent of the people who think they can still afford a car. Um, so I don't know. I, I do have a, a, a question for Brandon. And and I, I think you'll like this question because it it indicates that I actually watched some of your videos. Um, I, thought, I didn't think you watched YouTube at all. That's, I, 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 really, I, I, I will say this, and I mean it sincerely. I really don't. But occasionally I watch some of yours because I find them fascinating. And I, and I like your insights. Now, having said that, you recently did a video about CarMax, and and obviously you went to that that lot that is uh, uh, what's the nice way of it's overflowing with metal. Um, Did have you had the opportunity to to chat with the GM of that store to see if will they talk to you? I guess that I guess my question is, will anybody? Inside the store, other than a salesperson, um, will someone in management inside the store share with you what their thinking is or have they? So I wish I would have asked what this guy's role was, but I was there. Um, 
it was the time before this this last one that I, that I was there that he he ran up to me and I thought I was about to get kicked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he 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 ran up to me and he said, uh, "Oh, Brandon, I, I watch all your stuff. I love it. I, I have to disagree with you though because you're showing that uh, this this particular store is overrun with vehicles, and that's typically the case." Um, now it hasn't been over the past couple of years, but it's going to be the case from from here going forward because we're a distributor store, and yeah. the store that I go to, they have they have a lot of other stores that they service. Now they haven't been overflowing the last couple of years, but now they're getting to the point where they are. And he's arguing that's a that's a good thing, obviously, because they're getting inventory. And I, I mean, I, I agree with that. If they're getting inventory, they didn't have it. Great, that's great for Carmax. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing he said that. Uh, that he said was such a great thing for CarMax that I greatly disagree with him is that he's saying that, um, I mean, yeah, that sales have, have been down, but we're still able to have a, a good business model because we're able to get people into loans that other dealerships can't get them into. So what he's saying is we're having customers coming in here and they're getting a loan and they're getting in one of these cars. And they just said, I just went to Ford, GM, Toyota. I went to all these other dealerships and I couldn't get approved anywhere. And I came here and I got approved. And he said that this was a good thing because it's going to help sales. And yes, it's going to help sales. But the reason being is because they're writing loans to maybe people that should not have these loans. And I talked about this in that in that video I did recently. That's 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 scary for a company like CarMax to be able to if if everything that he was telling me is true, mm-hmm. um, if they are. And this this is known about Car, uh, CarMax really too is that they're I mean they're getting people approved they're holding their own notes they write their own loans so they they have the ability to take down um, the limits or raise the limits on whoever they're actually approving for these loans and if they're not selling a lot of vehicles right now the easiest way for them to start selling more vehicles is to get a little bit looser on their lending practices and that's scary I I concur that is scary um my suspicion would be is that the bean counters have looked at it and have said we can afford to um, take X number of people and approve them for loans that we ordinarily would not have uh, because our performing loans will will more than cover the non-performing portion of the portfolio. That's just a guess. But I'm pretty sure that's what the bean counters would would tell those that that actually are running the company. Um, but but yeah, they they're in a, a unique position where they can control their destiny to a certain degree by approving loans that others might not. Um, I, yeah, I I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing or 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 a bad thing, but it is it is a way to keep the doors open and and keep the cars moving out, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, it sounds like it's a good thing short term for CarMax, yes. but not necessarily a good thing for uh, the consumer. Certainly, as we all know, uh, you know, a lot of these people getting qualified for these loans can't afford what they're getting qualified for. They're going to get repossessed. These things are going to happen. And, you know, everyone needs to watch out for themselves. Yeah. But like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be writing these kind of loans. Yeah. And my my wife just uh, forwarded me an email this morning uh, talking about this. North Carolina just actually increased uh, the uh, the interest rates that they can charge on a per dealer basis. 
Um, so that that ties uh, right yeah. right along in, in with this. So so cars that are I think over six years old or something like that, they actually bumped the interest rate, and it was already cra- it was already crazy high. Uh, but but now it got bumped a couple a couple points where they can these <clears throat> buy here pay here dealers can now charge even more interest than what they were charging. Everyone remember usury laws? Do we all remember yeah, those but, days? Back yeah, I, re- I remember yeah. usury laws, yeah. but it, it doesn't seem to matter anymore. Uh, and, yeah. and the one thing now, I, loan sharks look at our loans and go, well, "That's crazy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, I, the final thing I was going to say about the CarMax situation is it's it's good business until well, it's not, and and it becomes it's not when the customer stops paying. But but they they have a pretty good idea as to what the percentage will be of customers that'll stop paying. Um, I did I see a a a a, a two dollar yeah contribution sure coming. Thank you, Taker Six Ten. Yeah. A dealer near me is offering ten thousand dollars off of an EV Six GT. Is that some type of a Kia electric vehicle? <clears throat> that would be and. Um, don't I'm hoping that is the discount before any bonus cash because you have a thousand dollars bonus cash and then highly suggest that you lease that to get another seventy five hundred dollars off of that up front from Kia. So you should be about about eighteen five to to nineteen thousand in, in discounts off of that. And that's not to say for people who don't like to lease a vehicle. And I get there are people out there that don't like to. Mm-hmm. But there is a way for you to lease a vehicle, and it has a payoff just like a car loan does. Yep. And, and you can get that $7,500 federal tax credit passed through on the lease, and then you turn around 30 days, 60 days, and you buy the damn thing out, and you've got that tax credit that you otherwise couldn't have gotten if you had tried to just purchase it outright. Um, yep. So this something is- we recommend a lot, and, and we I do with people every week on a lot of these EVs, Kia, Hyundai, like, look, lease it to get that 7500 It's just worth the extra hassle to yeah. then go refinance and buy it out in this 60, is, 90 days. This is one of the few times where there's a loophole that benefits the consumer yep. as opposed to a loophole that benefits a business. So um, these don't happen very often. When they do happen, uh, take advantage of them. That, that, that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, so I saw an interesting comment. Um, so after, like in January of next year, you're going to be able to pull that $7,500 right off the point of sale, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. As yeah. long as you don't exceed the income caps. I mean, you'll still be able to do it. You just have to pay it back if you exceed yeah, the but, income caps. Uh, allegedly, the way it's going to work is that you can, you'll be able to pull that forward. You'll be able to use it as a down payment. The IRS, assuming that the dealer files all the paperwork properly, the IRS will, will, send that money to the dealer within 72 hours of receiving the claim. And if it turns out that the customer who utilized that does not qualify for the full amount, then the customer would be expected to pay that back to the IRS. 
Correct. How that, that would ever happen. But the qualification is different now, Ray. So one thing, because they did just clarify earlier this week, I think it was on Monday, um, they were clarifying that it's only the income cap now that's going to, you don't have to have that tax liability anymore, which of course for most EV buyers yes. uh, didn't have that kind of tax liability, you know, at, the, at least the cheap EV buyers. So um, now it's just that you can't exceed the income cap. Okay. So, uh, got, so it is a much nicer and easier deal. I've got two questions on that thing. One, what is the income limit? And uh, two, I forgot the second question. Oh, do you do you uh, anticipate that that uh, uh, bumps EVs, EV sales uh, in January? Uh, I think it does a lot. And Tesla even said that they will be participating. So, I mean, you got Tesla right now with 38000 for a Model 3. Now take $7,500 off of that. Um, yeah, I think there's going to, I think you will see a big shoot up in that. And why wouldn't you? Why? I mean, you're getting $7,500 off of an EV or paying full price for the ICE equivalent. Obviously, you know, it's going to push more people over there. I I I I think that's the whole intent. Yeah, it's and not, I can answer your question real fast, Brandon. One hundred and fifty thousand adjusted gross income for an individual, two hundred twenty-five thousand for head of household, and three hundred thousand for married couples. Okay. Well, the good news is I I might qualify, um, <laughs> and and my son could make sure that I do. Um, uh, having said that, we, we you need a raise. <laughs> having having said that, I appreciate I appreciate those sentiments, uh, uh, Brandon. I really do. Um, but you know, I, I want his business to to work before he really pays me pays me you should um, go on strike that's what you need to do yes yeah. Yeah. no no A strike of one yeah no i will not go on strike i am here to support my son and and courage in any way i possibly can um with the hopes that we will literally change the way cars are sold in this country so no for the benefit of humanity, I will not go on strike. Um, at least the humanity in, inside the United States. Um, we have crushed nearly 40 minutes. Um, I, you, oh, my God. Stop it, Farzad. <laughs> oh, let's get Farzad on. Come on. We can go for another hour. Just, just <laughs> invite Farzad. Let's go. Well, maybe we'll uh, get Farzad tomorrow because Zach yeah. is – as we found out earlier, it's not available tomorrow either, but he will be back on Friday. Meanwhile, I'll be back. I believe justice. You'll be back with me tomorrow. I will I, be. I don't know about you, Brandon, uh, but me. somebody some will be here tomorrow at noon Eastern nine Pacific 8 a.m. in Anchorage, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you watching in Honolulu, and why you would be watching at 6 a.m. in Honolulu, I have no idea, but it will be here at 6 a.m. Right, that's enough. Morning. 